This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, brought to you with thanks to Mint Finance, business loans made easy. It's the last show of New Zealand Music Month, but that doesn't mean you should stop going to gigs, because you'll be delighted to hear the next Garden of Sound Live is booked for Thursday, June 20th at D4 in Wolston. I'll have more details, including an early bird ticket special you can take advantage of later in the show. Right, today's guest hails from Selwyn, growing up with such musical luminaries as Jed Parsons. Her desire to perform followed many routes, from dance through to girl bands, and eventually to drums. But it was a UK singer-songwriter that helped shape Nicole Sharp into the moonflower we know and love today. With her first album, Dark Lullabies, gaining traction around the country, where will the soulful voice and brilliant composition lead Moonflower in the coming year? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Nicole Sharp of Moonflower on 96.9 Plains FM. Nicole, I want to hear about the first time you remember music in your life. Well, I can't say that there's a really first time, but I always remember um, just singing and performing and putting on my shows for friends and family, um, dressing up with my friends and just, yeah, just going hard, doing these performances and getting real into it. So, so what was there an influence at all for uh, for that as a, as a young person to do these shows? I used to do ballet and jazz dancing, so that might have something to do with it. When I was like five, I did ballet and I did really well and I, I got asked to go up and do like a competition thing. But me being five and mum listening to me, I was sort of like, no, no, I don't want to do it. So she didn't make me do it and... But I yeah I just always like would hear a song and get real into it and it was always I hate to say it but like Britney Spears and Kylie Minogue and <laughs> so I've, yeah it's definitely changed since then. When was the first time you opened your mouth and maybe maybe sang mm. in front of people or told people hey I'm Nicole I've got a voice? Ooh that would have been probably when I started writing some songs when I was. 14-ish. So this is high school? Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, and friends would come into like the, the music room and I'd play them a wee part of a song that I'd written. Um, always a bit nervous, but sort of just got used to it and yeah. Where did you go to high school? Lincoln. Lincoln, Lincoln High School, yep. What was the music program like at Lincoln? I, I always enjoyed it. That's where I spent most of my time. Um, I was... I was a really good student, so they often just let me go and do some recording. And um, that's, yeah, I spent hours in there. Like, thinking back, like, I wish I'd learnt more theory and, and actually tried to understand it a little bit more. But obviously what I've learnt has, has helped. I did a lot of drumming and um, things like that while I was there, so... Is there anyone uh, from Lincoln that's gone on to do big things yes, music-wise? Yes, actually. And I saw him last Thursday at the um, Independent uh, Music Night at Littleton Records, Jed Parsons. <laughs> so, yeah, that was quite cool. Uh, he was in my music class and also a drummer, starting off as a drummer. And he then he went on to do other stuff. So, similar sort of um, thing. And I think he's released his first album 
last year, I think, or recently this year. So yeah, it's quite cool seeing that, um, knowing that I'm not the only one, and there's been a few others from Lincoln, I think. So you talk about drums, which is mm. an interesting thing for a yeah. for a songwriter. Yeah, you, yeah. You'd think there would be sort of maybe guitar or or keys in there, yeah, or something. So uh, your first your first song, mm-hmm. did you write while on piano? Yeah, I would have written it on my Wii. My wee keyboard that I got from a garage sale. It was my first wee keyboard just to try and learn some chords. As a 14-year-old, where does yeah. your subject matter come uh, from, from memory? It's kind of funny, but about my um, my dog passing away, actually. Uh, and it was like, it wasn't like my dog's dad sort of thing. It was, I've always liked to, you know, sort of sing around the point and and not say it so much in your face, but. Um, it was about like his journey through the meadows. Basically, that's what it, I think it was what it, what it was what it was called actually. So, yeah, it was it was quite an emotional song. I used to write real emotional songs, and I still do. <laughs> it's sort of always been my thing. So you learnt drums. Was there yep. any um, formal tuition in in keyboard for a little bit in high school? I'd sort of got myself into this style of in this in these habits, I guess. And found it hard to get out of that. Uh, it was It's always been a tool that I've used rather than an actual, like, I really want to be good at it. I mean, of course I'd love to be, but it's not my thing to, to be hard out at it. So I'm <laughs> not too worried. Yeah. If you weren't uh, Nicole Moonflower music mm-hmm. person, yeah. what would you be doing with your life? Uh, well, I was close to being a vet nurse. I did my animal care certificate few years ago uh I've always sort of I've always loved animals and I've had this thing in my head since I was younger that I wanted to rescue animals and maybe even be a vet but I've since sort of just just found that I'm too soft for that and I've just got animals myself that I spoil and um do what I can if I see any animals around that need help I do what I can but as for like vet nurse and vets like man it must be such a hard job because um, yeah, I'm too soft for that. <laughs> yeah. So what about around the home and mm-hmm. music? Um, mum and dad, were they musical at all? No, actually not at all. Um, but my dad's side, very musical. Uh, my grandfather, well, Olpa, he was Dutch. Uh, he had the most amazing opera voice and people would just love listening to him. And he had a few opportunities to actually do something with his voice, but for him it was always just a hobby so and not a real job so he he just sort of sung around home and um the neighbors enjoyed it and they said when he passed that they miss his his singing because it was you know they thought it was a radio when they first moved in it's just insane the the voice yeah so that's sort of where that comes from and then a couple of my aunties have been in bands singers uh just on the side never serious which is um which is cool so yeah, who would be your who would be your sort of like top three uh, vocal role models, right. or at least people who you admire or who you think are just tremendous? Um, definitely Amy Lee from Evanescence was probably the first vocalist that really like inspired me to do something and sing. That's when I started learning her stuff um, and trying to like sort of, I guess recreate her sound but in head voice which is so the high voice um 
I didn't really know a lot about singing. So definitely her back when I was younger, up until now. I mean, I still love her voice. Um, I've actually got her tattooed on my arm, (laughs) but as Snow White, so that's okay. It's not so creepy. (laughs) Uh, And Terry Reid, definitely from the 60s and 70s. He's got the most incredible tone and just he can do some crazy runs and riffs with his voice. And not many people know about him, so he's very cool. And then I would say, hmm, I'm going to say Aretha Franklin. Uh, just just love, love her so much. So, yeah, just that soul. Like, you can't get anything better when she's doing those high notes. And that's why what I try and do, like, I just try it because I love it so much. I'm like, I want to do that. So that would be my top three, I'd say. Is mm. there a track from any of those three that you'd like to play now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Call Me When You're Sober from Evanescence. As soon as she hits that first chord on the key on the piano and sings I can straight away like tell that yeah I'm definitely inspired by her a lot through my music so yeah don't cry to me if you loved me you
Now, I mentioned earlier that the next Garden of Sound Live is happening Thursday, June 20th at D4 in Woolston. There's going to be three amazing bands for you to enjoy on the night. Firstly, there's the brilliant There Is A Tuesday between a Monday and a Wednesday. You might know this pairing as the better half of the band Household. We've also got Sneaky Caribbean Monk Seals, a super high-energy foursome channeling some of your favourite rock acts from the 70s. And finally, Portland a funky, tight five-piece with the added benefit of dual vocals. Tickets are a mere $9, but that's only going to last until midnight, Monday, June 3rd. After that, it's 15 To be honest, you'll not find a better value gig in Christchurch with three great bands at such an awesome venue. It's $9 until midnight this coming Monday. Get in right now at gardenofsound.nz or eventbrite.com. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Nicole Sharp from Moonflower on Plains FM 96.9. Nicole, I want to talk about gigs and concerts and so on. Now you're all the way out, sort of Lincoln, uh, Rolleston way these days. Um, But as a youngster, um, what was probably the first concert you (laughs) saw that impressed you maybe? I was talking to mum about it the other day because I've got a terrible memory when it comes back to thinking of certain things when I was younger. But she says my first concert was True Bliss. Really? Uh, which is quite funny. Um, and she said that there was so much screaming that we couldn't actually hear. <laughs> it's a very Beatles situation. Yeah, so that, yeah. But then... Did you have a favourite member of True Bliss? Ooh. Or did you know much about them? Or was it something that you were just dragged along to? I think I, think I was really into it. Like, I liked the Spice Girls when, at that time. I think it must have been about nine or ten. Uh, so, yeah, I was into the whole girl group. I always wanted to, to do that. I tried to do that with my cousin, you know, create a girl group. Um, How did that go? My friends, not so well. Um, it was sort of fun, you know, like fun, making our own clothes and jewellery. and Getting the dance routines. Me. Yeah, the dance routines with a, with a top, yeah. What about Definitely. what about the songs? What were you singing in this girl group? Um, we well, I actually used to write songs with my cousin, and she still got some. I should go over them one day with her. That'd be absolutely hilarious. What was and they were quite catchy, like just really lame. I don't know, just silly things. I can't even remember now. But I used to used to write little jingles and things when I was younger, and have mum singing them around the house. <laughs> so what was the uh, what was the name of that group? So we had the two of us, and it was sexy colours. It's terrible, isn't it? Because <laughs> what is a sexy color? I do not know. Oh, but dear. my auntie had a band called True Colors. Okay. And I think that's where that came from. Not very original, really, um, and quite weird. And it wasn't so, a Cindy Lauper cover. No, no, no. So I've always, I've always been doing that sort of thing, dragging people into. <laughs> so as a musician, you seem, you seem quite determined. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's talk about in later years. Anything, uh, any gigs or acts that you've been long to see uh, that particularly impressed you uh, live? Um, so, as I started to sort of get more into my heavy stuff when I was 13, 14, I would go along to Eight Foot's TV shows. <laughs> um, I'd go and see Behemoth from Poland. Uh, a lot of really heavy, heavy insane heavy stuff and they would just blow my mind like they're just so passionate and they just live it and it's yeah it's incredible to see and yeah just the whole crowd reaction to them and musically what attracts you to 
or attracted you to the super heavy stuff? Um, just the power and the passion and the yeah, I think mostly just the power and it's just so. Um, it wasn't any rebellion against society kind of thing. A little bit as well, I think. Um, but like, I truly did love that stuff, and Mum would say. You're just listening to it to annoy me. <laughs> no, no, I really did love it. Like, I still listen to some of it now, but just the feeling that it gives and you just feel a little, yeah, a little bit more powerful and be able to deal with life. I don't know. It just sort of helped in those years. So tell mm. me about how did um, we've gone from sexy colours all the yeah. way to how did Moonflower come wow. into existence? I think Moonflower is probably sparked by discovering Terry Reid um, and then discovering more 60s and 70s stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about Terry Reid yeah. because for a lot of listeners, they would have no yeah. idea yeah. who this guy is. Mm-hmm. So tell, tell me his brief history. So Terry Reid, he was um, he started in the 60s, but he went off and he did a, a few really good albums, almost joined Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, as the singer. Yeah, I mean, his, his history is... It's insane that more people don't know about him, and his songs are just so good. Um, I yeah, highly recommend anyone to check out his his early stuff. And he's still performing today. Still performing. Um, I was absolutely absolutely obsessed with him to the point where I wrote a song about him on one of the wee tours I went in and did with my other band um, a few years ago, and said to the boys, you know, if he was. If he was still young, I'd go and find him because I was obsessed. <laughs> like, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. So how did Terry um, sort of lead to Moonflower? I would say I went through Janis Joplin. I went through um, lots of different uh, artists that were just, they just inspired me so much. And then mixed pretty much mixing all my influences together to create something that I like the sound of. So the retro sound with a bit of a dark twist from where it comes from my sort of dark past, liking the dark stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And having different melodies. Uh, I think that's really important. Interesting melodies and things, catchy melodies. And, and yeah, just, just listening to really good old music that's that's where it all comes from i think so moonflower is you and you mm-hmm. are moonflower mm-hmm. uh was there a sort of a conscious choice for it to be like this with a collection of musicians who you gather around rather mm-hmm. than a a fully formed band yeah there was a point where we had to decide and we got together who was we so it was our previous lineup was more of a band so we went from a Went from a three-piece with me on keys, my partner on guitar, and my friend Duncan Soul on drums, and he was just doing a bit of sort of taping percussion. And sort of, he was—he's not a drummer, so he was just sort of helping us out, adding a layer. And then we added our bass player Damon Thurlow, who's still with us, and became more of a band situation. I would bring the songs to them already done, and they would back them like like we are now but it was yeah we had to sit down and decide that it was going to be my project because I'm writing the songs and that I was always going to have musicians with me sort of 
who it was at the time didn't matter as long as they were in for the and for what we're doing basically how many gigs has moonflower done at this point or how long have you been playing uh, uh, about two and a half years we haven't done a lot but we've done some really good quality stuff um what's your highlight what's probably the best gig that you played in that time Ooh, it would be probably be one of the tombstone entertainment gigs we when we get asked by tim hunt we always get a good gig um we opened for Soul Kitchen at uh, the Rolling Stone. It's really good being in those multi-band events. They get to see what you're doing. You get to see what they're doing. And you feel like you're in the circuit then. And that was a real turning point for us when we got those gigs. It's sort of like now we're part of the scene. We're, we're good. People know that we're, that we're all good. They're going to ask us to play. That was a really good turning point. Um, but I'd say like our highlight was definitely our album release. Everyone came. It was a full house. It was just awesome. Where where was that held? That was at Littleton Records. Uh-huh. So 23rd of March was our album release date and our show. And it was just, yeah, couldn't have asked for a better night. So that was really, really good. And who around you has sort of provided that sort of continual support? Uh, definitely mum and dad, my partner, who I've been with for four and a half years. So he's been with me big part of it. Is, uh, is he musical? He is. Yep, he's he's the actually the guitarist, Josh Fearless. So um I I've since we've been together we'd always wanted to do music. So that's sort of where that came from as well. He wasn't in the original lineup of Moonflower and then when we re- reshuffled it all he he was. But man, that it's it's a big a big story. Yeah. It's, it's a bit, bit crazy, really. I think it's time for some music now. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about uh, uh, Terry, uh, Terry Reed. Is there a particular track from him that you'd like to play? Yeah, it's probably the first track that perked my ears up. Um, uh, at the end of the movie The Devil's Rejects by Rob Zombie, the credits roll and you'll hear the song Seed of Memory. And it's it's just a song I immediately needed to find out who, who it was and how it was played, because I needed to play that song. (laughs) And so that's the song I want to play, is Seed of Memory.
Thanks for being here today. Just want to thank Mint Finance for sponsoring the show. Now, working with Mint is great, not only because they're easy to deal with, but because they can quickly sort out the type of lending that's right for your needs. Mint can help you with a secured loan for your small business for a fixed period of up to five years, and it can be secured against an asset owned either by the business or a director. You can find out more about the competitive interest rates and repayment structures offered by Mint Finance today by phoning 0800 0023. That number again, it's 0800 0023. Or you can visit mintfinance.co.nz. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Nicole Sharp from Moonflower on Plains FM 96. Point nine, uh, Nicole, I'm holding in my hand, thank you very much, a copy of your album, Dark Lullabies. No worries, um, yeah. By, by Moonflower, and um, it, it's a beautiful production. And there's an, uh, there's an image on the inside of it mm. uh, with the band. You're sitting on a couch, and in the back uh, is death. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the, um, the decision to uh, for all of these wonderful images. So well, what I was going for was... Um, the whole sort of retro theme with a dark twist um, because, I mean, let's face it, there's darkness everywhere um, in life and it's it's just something that's around. There's always going to be the negative with the positive. Uh, so I was like, well, how can we use this in a photo? So I thought, let's do like a retro lounge in the forest, typical sort of cheesy band shot posed, but then behind us is the Reaper and he's he's coming for us, like, and we don't know, basically. And that's it's sort of a an idea of yeah, life really. And just who, don't who is said Grim Reaper? <laughs> it's my dad. So we yeah we just had to sort of uh, I hate to say it, but use the family and use mum and dad and gran and things like that to help out with being uh, the Reaper or. The person who who held the lamp because that was falling apart and it was quite windy that day as well. So uh, the old fringe lamp, mum was behind the couch holding that in the photo. <laughs> so you can't see her, but yep, that's what we did. This physical representation is 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 the the smallest part because the biggest part is these wonderful songs which you've created on the album. Now, where did you record um, these tracks? So they were recorded at the sitting room in Littleton, which has a really quite a good name, um, and it's an awesome place. It was just so much fun um, being there. Um, tell me about Josh Petrie's involvement. Mm-hmm. So how do you know him? So we actually found out about him through my vocal coach, uh, who knew of Ben Edwards, and then knew that Josh Petrie had learnt from Ben Edwards for a couple of years. And he's still been working at the sitting room, uh, doing the odd job for Ben, but had then gone out on his own and created Tetra Audio. So he was looking for bands and and little projects to do, just to sort of get his name out there, really, and to start up his um, start up his portfolio and things like that. And so we were the I think we were the first biggest project uh, for him. And what from what I remember, he really enjoyed it. I mean, he. Yeah, he said it was probably the most fun he had with with the band. It just flowed really well. So the material for the album, there's there's ten tracks mm-hmm. on there. So um, how many songs did you go in with? Was it those ten, or was there um, more or less? There were a couple on there, which I just thought we'll leave them for another time, or not. There was one on there there I said I wasn't going to do at all until my partner said I think it's a really good song. She put it on there, which is actually who could stand me which is the oldest song on there. I, was, I wrote that when I was 15. All the rest are sort of newish in the last three years or so. Um, so we went in with about six tracks, I think. Six to eight we were looking at. There was a little bit of development on a couple that we just needed to fix up. And then after a couple of days in the studio, we thought we could probably do the rest. So, yeah, we just nailed down and did it. Did the ten. Um, 
you've come out with an album mm. as opposed to an EP mm. or even just a, a couple of... I've seen a couple of singles on, on Spotify, yep. but um, this is pretty much... A, Excuse the expression of balls to the wall. Let's get out there and do yeah, it, kind yeah, of yeah. kind of thing. Was there any sort of conscious thought on let's go and let's just do the album and get it out there? It was sort of me being a little bit fussy as well, just because when you look up the the names of like what you call an EP, what you call an album, the track, how many tracks you have, you have to have a certain amount for it to be called a certain thing, and and I just wasn't happy with having a EP when I could push it and do an album. And having this opportunity with, I mean, the great gear, the great sound engineer, uh, having the time, it was just like, it's silly not to, silly not to do the whole lot, really, while we're there, so. You're obviously singing on the record. Mm-hmm. You're playing all the drums. Yep. Um, what about the the rest of the, the group? Anyone sort of, any ring-ins for the, um, for the album? Um Mum's on a couple of the songs for the clicks, the finger clicks, and she was pretty stoked uh, to be a part of that. And I'm not sure if she was the, on the claps as well. I think she just did the clicks. But she says she can hear her clicks. <laughs> but yeah, apart from that, it was all of us just doing our parts. Yep. That's fantastic. So you've obviously launched the album. That was back in March. What's the um, what's sort of coming up for um, for the rest of it? How are you getting out there? Um, Sort of just we've got a couple of uh we've been doing a few library gigs which is part of the New Zealand Music Month um part of uh Ministry of the Mind have been doing a lot of stuff with us which is a Rolleston based business of my friend uh Duncan Soul so he does a lot of event organization for yeah Salwyn he likes to get the Salwyn bands going cuz we've got some good talent but not a lot of places and and opportunities out there so um that would be the main thing and then he's got a series called leading ladies which is coming up in the next few months which is the same as last year we do uh three female-led bands and we go through Omaru, Dunedin and then we'll do a Christchurch maybe even a couple more around um South Island <clears throat> and we, then we also have a uh, local band that closed for us, so female lead as well. So that's really cool. It's just basically promoting leading ladies because not a lot of people do that, so it's quite cool. Is there any sort of way, shape, or form to your uh, creation of music? I mean, you've got this out there and you, you're pushing that. You're still writing at the moment, looking towards number yep. two? Yep. Um, possibly a single and a video. Um, just, I've got a couple of songs in, on the go at the moment. I'm thinking about writing with Ethan, so we're going to maybe do some collaborating for the next things, and even maybe my partner. So maybe changing up the writing process a little bit just to um, open it up a little bit more, and yeah, that might be the next sort of plan. And as for a next album... Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe in a while. <laughs> it's Fo- a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, focus so, on getting this one. Singles, totally. Like we we want to get some more um, stuff out there. So yeah, I'd like to hear something from the right. album uh, because I haven't heard it all. Is there a particular track you'd like to play now? Yeah, absolutely. So this one's a really special one. It was written for my auntie who was not so well at the time, and she needed some strength and some love. And she wasn't here with us. She was in Perth. 
So um, I thought I can write her a song. Um, And this one's for her. Have some love. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Nicole Sharp from Moonflower on Plains FM 96.9. We have just heard from your debut album, Have Some Love. Um, Now, obviously, there's a whole heap of playing and learning 
that's gone on up to this um, uh, debut album. So, yeah. so uh, tell me, uh, tell me about the, the covers band circuit. Tell me about what you learnt from that. Probably about six, seven years ago, I met Duncan and Dave from Picking at the Remnants, original two piece, and they um, asked me to join as their drummer. We started doing covers. We did, I think we did like 43 gigs in one year. Heaps of heaps of playing, hours and hours of playing. Um, and so I was drumming and doing a bit of backing vocals for that. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw some, we saw a lot of <laughs> a lot of things out there in the pubs. Uh, I sort of call it my sitting at my perch at the back because I see everything and they'll miss things. And I'm like, no, there's going to be a fight. <laughs> I'll see it before it starts. And um, oh, we've just, we had some great times over the years. Is there a worst gig that you played, <laughs> whether it was the performance or maybe it was something going on uh, um, outside of your control? Oh, there's, there's been a few gigs where there's been fights and I've jumped off the drums to protect my gear. <laughs> or like, keep away from us, like, go away. <laughs> but yeah, as for bad, I guess it's just maybe lack of people has, have been the worst because it's just like you're giving it your all. And there's no one there to really give it back. So, what do you put that down to? I put it down to just people. I don't know. People don't want to go out as much as they used to. It's expensive. It's hard to get home. Um, people don't really go to the pubs to see the bands unless you've got a name. Like, and it's. I mean, if you're doing covers, who wants to go and see you every weekend anyway? So we found that really hard. Um, so it's kind of a catch twenty two. It is a hard one, yeah. But then you get you get your really good events and things. They were probably the highlights. Relay for Life and the fireworks and Rolly. Um, so many, so many cool events as well. And we've done a lot of fundraising, charity events and stuff. So that's been really cool. Do you feel like you've inspired any any young Nicoles to uh, to get out there and play? I think so. I hope so. Um, I've got a wee student at the moment who I teach drums to, and uh, she always comes comes to see my gigs, and um, so yeah, I hope that she'll keep going. And um, I've had some kids come up to me in the past and been really, just really like excited about seeing me drum, and I guess because I'm a girl, <laughs> maybe that's a bit cool. So yeah, I've talked about vocalists because that's that's the big thing. So who who are your drumming idols? All right. Well, probably Danny Carey from Tool, definitely. I got into Tool when I was 12, young young 12-year-old listening to Tool, and I was like, oh, that's some good drumming, yeah. This would have just been before 10,000 Days, I yep. guess. Yep, and then... Um, Bonham? I'm t- yeah, yeah, definitely, like, all the good all the good old drummers, for sure. I'm terrible with names, you see. What other bands? Yeah, bands are Deep Purple. Love Deep Purple. Um, what else? Oh, the Doors. I love the Doors. Just, all, yeah, their whole sound. I can definitely hear our sort of, we've sort of got like an evil sort of dissonance some, sometimes sound about them, which is what I kind of like to bring into mind sometimes, but just for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. 
I've already pushed you on that second album, and obviously it's important to get the first one out there as much as possible. But um, down the track, is there anywhere you'd like to go or anyone that you would like to perform with? I mean, is, yeah. is Terry Reid potentially oh, on the card that would one be of these amazing. days? Get him There's out some... for a tour or yeah, something? Yeah, that would be incredible, actually. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'd love to do some festivals around New Zealand. Um, I think for us at this point... I think we need to be opening for someone that's a little bit well, more well-known than us so that we can get some more fans, basically. Um, as for working with people, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to do a, t- a tour with Soul Kitchen, um, who are a West Coast band, female-led, really, really good band, and they're getting a lot of uh, festivals and things at the moment. Um, so that's cool. I'd definitely like to work with them. Um... And as for like, in a few in years to come, I mean, it would be a dream to work with like Billie Eilish and her brother. They're just they're bringing out some incredible stuff. And Lana Del Rey, um, and Hart, Nancy, and Wilson, love them. So yeah, anyone like that would be amazing. Yeah. Nicole, it's been absolutely killer to uh, to have you on the show today, oh, thank you and so especially much. Uh, the last show for New Zealand Music yeah, Month. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> is there a um, is there a track you'd like to play us out with today? Yeah, I'll leave you with our heaviest track off the album, uh, Dark Lullabies, which is "I Become the Dark." We actually have a lyric video out for that on YouTube. So if you want to know what I'm saying, check it out. <laughs>
Time for my track of the week, and I'll admit I'm a bit biased. It's my second tune from Dead Favors in as many months, but it's another banger. There's Shades of the Mannix, and check out the D above high C from lead vocalist Jared Rennell. This is Misbehaviour. Thanks for being with me today. My guest was Nicole Sharp, known better as Moonflower, who's currently promoting her debut album, Dark Lullabies. If you'd like to find out more about Moonflower music, then head to gardenofsound.nz and click on the band's image on the front page. And remember, you've got just days to get your $9 early bird tickets to Garden of Sound Live. 
After Queen's birthday, the price goes up to fifteen dollars. Just head to gardenersound.nz or eventbrite.com to book your tickets. Thanks very much to Mint Finance who sponsor Garden of Sound. They're all about business loans made easy. Until next week, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi there, darling.